0: (laughs) okay one more time all right i'm april margulies
1: and i'm christopher Tompkins.
0: and you're on the line with the hype busters
1: welcome ready for some real talk on strategic communication
0: you're the right place To the first ever episode of Hype Busters, I'm April Markules,
1: and I'm Christopher Tompkins. I'm your go-to host for all things digital marketing,
0: and I am your dedicated guide to the world of public relations.
1: You can catch us every other Friday as we look past the hype and get down to what's really going on behind the scenes and beyond your screens. <laughs> Okay, we ready for a little bit of breaking industry news?
0: Definitely, let's do it.
1: Okay, this week, we are analyzing from Barron's, does Tesla have a PR problem? Why it could benefit from better public relations? Ooh, what say you, April (laughs) (laughs) Margulies?
0: So, I I mean, I will say in general that Elon Musk is definitely an interesting anomaly in that- He fired his internal PR people mm-hmm. a while back. He has no communications team. He doesn't believe in PR. And so when you're Elon Musk, you can you can pull that off, right? Right. But I still think if you don't have anybody that's making sure you don't run into a crisis, it's a gamble, right? I feel mm-hmm. like you're setting yourself up to have a potential problem where you don't need to have one. Mm-hmm don't necessarily need an entire stuff. Se- I mean, obviously Tesla sells itself. He sells himself. Everyone wants to talk to him. You don't need a team actively pitching Elon Musk, right? He's about the only person in the universe that can pull that off. And they have so much goodwill around the brand that even if things go sideways, like they did not long ago, you know, some people died and then he sort of tweeted something really dry and robotic about right. it,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, you know, mm-hmm.
0: but now the situation is that if he doesn't have anybody and he's not actively looking through the lens of how the culture might perceive something, something could go sideways enough that it could actually, I'm not gonna say tank Tesla, I don't think anything can tank Tesla, but it might really put a big ding in the side of their armor.
1: All brands out there are kind of like one PR crisis away from like a discount sticker on the windshield. My question would be to you, April would be, what would it take for them to really be screwed in this situation? Because obviously I agree with you. I think that you always have to have someone on hand just in case. And he's trying to be disruptive with how he's approaching because that's the branding that he's trying to put forth in his positioning. But Mm -hmm. what would need to happen? Because obviously people have, you know, perished. Like, what will it take to kind of ding this brand?
0: I think he was fortunate in that the incident where only a few people died, it was a few people. It would take hundreds of people dying not that a few people isn't tragic, but it would take something of a higher number, higher impact, Mm -hmm. and then people would get really upset, right? And if he didn't have a staff to handle it sensitively with that kind of empathetic touch and be right there at the ready to handle it, I mean, because that's the kind of thing, if that happened and then Mm -hmm. he didn't have a staff in place to handle it, then his delayed response would aggravate the bad impact that it was already having point. that that happened, right? I hope he at least has a crisis preparedness plan in place and somebody he can call in the event that something like that happens. Because if it comes down to him, I mean, God help Tesla, right? That's not going to, it's not going to fare well.
1: I think kind of like going into this one, especially with this character, um, because I do feel like he's a character. I, I look at it in terms of telling the story because from my side of things, it's kind of like, how can we get... the most visibility as possible. What's your positioning that we can put you as a thought leader out there and get people engaging with your message so that everyone else starts becoming an evangelist? And I think not having a PR and talking about not having a PR is a PR move. I don't think he's being 100% transparent.
0: Ah, okay. You've got a conspiracy theory here that he's actually pretending he has no PR it's
1: a super move I mean all celebrities do this I mean and he's now celebrity because he hosted Saturday Night Live right I think as soon as you do something like that and you're in that position you lose credibility and I don't think that you're super authentic even though it's I love Saturday Night Live I think it's a great show but when someone like him comes on it's kind of like oh so now you're. it's like Mark Zuckerberg hosting it
0: yeah. And what's interesting is that him not having a PR team and bragging about it is also, I actually had a lunch club call last week with somebody who yeah. said, you know, if a product's good enough, they don't need PR, right? I mean, it just sells itself. And the truth is that that's not true, right? I mean, unless you're at that scale already and you can afford to just bow out and because everybody's calling you with, you know, wanting to know what you're doing next. I mean, if you're not Apple, Google, Facebook, I mean, like there are only yeah. really like a handful. I mean, I don't even think I could get to 10 brands that could mm-hmm. that could pull that off, right? And still have people calling them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you're a startup and you're trying to get the word out there and you're trying to compete with the competition,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you have zero chance of success if you don't have PR as part of your artillery.
1: When you're looking at, this is one of the things that drives me crazy when people do this, because this is why how I know this is true like, I think that he has, he has like a side PR chick. Like I, I think see. he has, he's definitely <laughs> His, girl, got his
0: girlfriend's like a PR, a publicist secretly or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like she's, <laughs> she's, no, Um, one of the things that a startup will come to me and they'll say, Hey, you know what, why aren't my posts getting as much as this brand? And I tell them, I said, well, it's because that brand is paying advertising dollars to do that. And they will say, well, that brand says that they don't spend any money on social media and it's all organic. And I said, well, they're lying. It's kind of like when people hire my agency, they don't want us to say anything. We will sign NDAs where it's like we're working for them and they are the powerhouse. So we're like the muscle behind the brand in a way, in the shadows. So stuff like this, I think is a little misleading to startups, Mm -hmm. especially like you gotta kind of, I'm not saying look through cynical eyes like I have, but there's more than one way to look at the story, you know?
0: Yeah. So in the Barron's article about whether Tesla has a PR problem written by Al Root, basically it says, but after the accident, Musk lashed out at the media on Twitter and later during the company's first quarter investor call. So it seems that it's reached sort of a critical mass where both investors now and the media are starting to talk about why he doesn't have a PR department.
1: I just bank that all in the bank of clout because everyone's talking about him. Who's to say that this wasn't a PR strategy? You know, it's like, that was dreamed up by someone other than the godlike figure that Elon Musk kind of has created for himself. Mm. So I do Hmm. feel like this is kind of one of the pieces that like thou, thou protest too much. Is that the saying? Like
0: the lady doth protest too much.
1: Yeah, I think that, sorry, Elon, not calling you a lady, babe, but like it's still... I feel that when someone starts screaming something and they get angry, it's showing their hand in a way. That's but that's, that's just how I kind of see it. I like, like it.
0: Like, okay, good. <laughs> well, should we move on? I feel like that might be enough about that.
1: Yeah, I think we smacked that with a sword. I think we're done.
0: Okay, great. Okay, our next segment is point and counterpoint. In this segment, Chris and I will agree to disagree and we'll tell you why.
1: And I'm right. Here's our topic <laughs> for the week. The demise of browser cookies could create a golden age of digital marketing. Oh, every time they say golden age of something, it just sounds so like, oh, it's gonna be the it's gonna be so easily attainable and it's just gonna be like heaven.
0: I like the coming golden age.
1: Anytime there's a golden age, I'm always kind of thinking to myself, Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Um <laughs> As a marketer anytime that they put a golden age of something it's kind of like the golden age of marketing self-produce videos and then the next day all the clients will call you up and go hey i hear videos of the new thing we need new videos how do we do them do i turn on my oh. camera oh yeah but what's interesting about this one yeah. is the changes that everyone's been hearing about in terms of the removal of cookies like everyone hey how's right. your chrome how's your chrome working pretty damn slow because cookies are not happening and Google's looking to get rid of those completely by the end of next year. So that means no tracking of your data.
0: I'm a huge fan of less tracking of people in general across the board. I think that data has been misused and people are tired of it and I think it's leading to the downfall of society in a lot of ways, right? So in a way this is sort Mm -hmm. of like I can't believe that Google's actually taking a step in the right direction Mm -hmm. to do the right thing. And stop doing so much tracking of everyone's activities and where they are. I mean, there's something super big brother and creepy and Orwellian about it, right? So I'm really happy that they're pulling back on what they've been doing. I think that's great. Just given that, I think I'm all for it. Even though I do understand that it's going to create some issues and some pain points for marketers. But
1: anyone that's listening to this, did you hear that she said some problems? (laughs) What a PR person. I mean, honest to God, this is this is like cutting off a leg and waiting for it to grow back. This is so painful. What do I think about it? I like it. Okay, I like it because in the world that I live in, I think it's a very worthwhile thing for us to be doing, and also from a marketing perspective, I think that it's going to force marketers to be smarter with how they market to their target audience and how they kind of appeal to people and sell ideas that's what marketing is it's selling ideas and pandering to people's emotions to sell ideas but what is interesting about it is that it's making humans human and not pieces of data and i think that marketers this is where I feel a little, a little bad because I'm lucky because I'm in the right seat in terms of how it goes because I've never looked at people as numbers. My approach has always been to deal with the humans. That's why social media is my main lane because I can engage people truly and in, in, in a human way. But there's lots of people that their whole lives are built on retargeting of data off of this data that's retargeted off of this list and this IP address. And all they have done is focused on that for years they've refined it to this perfect brew. And then they're just turning off the pot, throwing the coffee pot out the window, shooting it with a shotgun. Like it's over. And those people are like, what do I do now? And I mean, I had one client that I worked with that we didn't work on their advertising. They had their team spending Four hours a day looking into how to create the facebook events that were created with the facebook pixel basically this is all retargeting language for anyone out there and a lot of startups that i talked to like maybe a year or two ago they were really focusing on this because they felt that that's the way to maximize their budget and they can maximize their spend with smart data and was it true it's pretty effective it's very true But this is like just really ripping the rug out from under a lot of companies. So it's going to force those people that were really focused on being mechanical about marketing, looking at it in a different way and engaging people in a real way. And I'm telling you, marketers can change, but that's a big change. Mm
2: -hmm. And also,
1: all you had to do is come up with a good formula and you could just rest on your laurels. Now you have to actually work harder to figure that out.
0: So is it going to get more expensive?
1: It's already getting more expensive. Yeah. Okay. I had a client that we had down to between two and eight cents per engagement on Facebook and it's 58 cents now. What? Obviously me with my little conspiracy eyeglass over here thinks that this is kind of a stopgap between something and something else. I don't know what it is. Something more
0: evil. They're doing something less evil evil to do something more evil that people don't know about. (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's gonna be an uprising. No, I I, honestly, I don't know what it is. But I would say that if you are a startup right now that is looking into any sort of cookie-based marketing, go find an agency that does this immediately and ask for their counsel. Do not try to learn this. This is just like diagnosing something like if you're going to a medical doctor. I'm not saying (laughs) Surgery, like like a medical degree and a marketing degree, are the same. But you really need to go to a specialist on this because this is something that could waste a lot of time and money with you trying to figure out how to make the transition.
0: Right. So my question for you is this: Is yeah. it possible? What? That the reason and now I'm putting on your skeptical, you know, conspiracy theorist hat. That's me. Is it possible, mm-hmm. looking through the Chris lens, that? Google's actually rolling back the cookies because too many other companies are profiting on them and they want to introduce something proprietary that can't be used by others in the same way.
1: The one thing that worried me is how Chrome has been killing everybody. And everyone has been really reliant on Chrome to store all their passwords, to store, all, store everything, and then basically nothing's stored anymore. So everything is slower. That's a red flag that they don't know what they're doing right now. And this is from the people that brought us Google Plus. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I think that if Google is developing it, someone else will do it faster. Interesting. Sorry, Google. Sometimes you seem like
0: they got too like, big,
1: the, like the crazy ant that comes to Thanksgiving or something. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of. Sometimes it seems like they're a little bit off filter. <laughs> Their choices are a little suspect. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I like it. I think we should put a fork in that one.
1: Yeah, it's done. Delicious.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Chris, are you ready to kick off the interview?
1: Absolutely. Let's do it.
0: This week, we're welcoming Raul Gonzalez Acuna as our inaugural guest. He is a self-described serial entrepreneur and the CEO and founder of RGA Engineering International.
1: So on the docket for our chat today will be the interesting business moves Raul took to pivot during the pandemic, and how RGA engineering survived in a contracting economy. Raul will also tell us all about how RGA has imprinted in their DNA a flexible planning mode. So we'll let him tell you the rest.
0: I think with that, I'd like to kick it over to Raul. And if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business.
2: Wow. Thank you very much. You know, I host a podcast called uh, Emprendiendo Entre Amigos. It's so I'm honored to be on the other side for a change, not doing the interview <laughs> but being interviewed. So it's awesome. I, I cut out myself as a serial entrepreneur. Although on LinkedIn I only have RG Engineering International. She's my first baby. You know, she's a 10 years old now, and she's a consultancy firm of engineering, using energy efficiency and sustainability all throughout our projects that we're doing. April was saying, like, how do you survive in an 80% contracting economy? Let me give you a context with that. Venezuela, Mm -hmm. in 2012, had a GDP of $300 billion per year. Mm -hmm. It was the first biggest economy in Latin America. Now, before the pandemic, we were which is a little bit below Panama. So the economy was like shrinking, shrinking, shrinking due to the politics and the problems that you might heard during the, the past two years. So from the entrepreneurial point of view, how did you uh, work with that? So you have two, we found a flexible planning mode and you have two types of planning, like the focus planning that you have to plan for, for five years ahead, 10 years ahead, and you have flexible mode. flexible model is well you can plan something but during the way you might have to change so in venezuela Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that happened with a contracting economy but we also had hyperinflation and a scarcity of goods i mean the prices were getting higher and higher and higher but you didn't find the resources that you needed so you cannot plan ahead. I mean, you cannot plan a month ahead. That's one of the things that we were working on RGA. We start doing some design for ourselves, trying to solve one of the problems of drinkable water access here in Venezuela, but that's the same problem that's going on in every developing country throughout the region. And we found out that one of the problems that these remote communities has they don't have the resources to sustain a conventional water treatment, so we started using all the technical expertise from 10 years of experience working with the industry and the, the engineering consulting firm. And we founded Easy Clean Water. Basically, that's my second baby. She's like a, a born from RGA.
0: Are you comfortable sharing a little bit more about your second baby, or is that still in the wrap since you're in the pitching process?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, let, let's hear the elevator pitch for baby two.
2: Oh, my, my pitch. Okay, I can give you my pitch. Well, one of the things that people mostly don't know is that one out of three people in the world don't have access to drinkable water. That's more than 2 billion people all around the world. Imagine that you have to go over the mountain every day to get water, even though you have a water purification system in your town. And that's because it broke down and it's abandoned. Can you imagine that? I mean, can you imagine feeling the weight? of going all the way up the mountain and then going back. So this is why I created recycling Water. We designed a water purification system that works with the social financial model. So the plant is a distiller, it's a water distiller. It produces distilled water that we can then make it drinkable. So the community can use some of the profits of selling a little bit of distilled water to cover the entire water operation and still be able to give drinkable water for free. What we're trying to do is to train them into to use the the distilled water in local preparations so we can start jobs. They can start entrepreneurial ventures that create jobs and they can create the demand of the distilled water. So uh, making a virtual cycle of health, entrepreneurship, and empowerment is about making water the gravity center of the entire community.
1: So we now know about the two babies,
0: uh
1: four babies four babies so sorry i I always i always i always forget babies um so (laughs) now that we have so we have the four babies that you're focusing on raul what's next what's the next step that you want to take to continue to organically move through and move forward well as
2: a father of four (laughs) wow and i say like lucky um, number for you raul yeah well wait
0: are you also four
2: babies i mean
0: Wait, do you no, also no, 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 have four no, no. children? Oh, okay. I was like, oh my gosh, that's no, no, eight no. children. No,
2: you mean have four? F- I have one.
0: Okay, one human one baby, daughter. four yeah, business yeah.
2: babies. The father of five. Uh, father of five. <laughs> and yes. RJ is a biggest one. So she can like drive herself a little bit. But the other one, I have to be more intense in that. So the next step is to make them grow. Easy clean water is the one that can be in a startup. And that's the one that we want to push the most to become a startup and bring that benefit to all the world. For instance, we are now working with a pilot in Canoabo in Venezuela. We are developing a 200 liter per day water plant and we estimate that it will be beneficiary uh, for 60 families and more than hundred ventures, hopefully. And we'll start the training program in July. By mid-july we'll start
0: that's that's,
1: that's awesome that's like weeks away are you are, are you ready for all this i mean are you
2: getting uh, getting excited super that's more than a 10 years of work for me Is even more because i started this technology uh, development while i was an undergrad uh, as an undergrad wow. that was my bachelor thesis yeah and then it came to my master's thesis and then I even won some awards in the U.S. It was yeah. a huge deal here in Venezuela as well.
0: Is there a most rewarding moment for you when you reach a certain level or a certain milestone mm. that really makes it all worth it for you?
2: There there are, there are several. But I still remember when I had to move from my house the, when I started RGA to an office. And that was because I got a super good project that I had to hire like five different employees so it was like wow and I still remember I was in a in a traffic jam in the highway I got the email with the purchase order it was like wow yeah <laughs> I mean, that's the first one awesome. it was a, uh, I started like wow awesome so yeah that, that, was, that was one there there are a lot a lot of good moments
0: that's cool I love that well, this has been super helpful. Yeah. Do you have any questions for us or anything that you want to plug before we let you get on to your five babies?
2: <laughs> no, I just want to thank you all. I love what you're doing. Thank you thank very you, much yeah. for, for giving me the honor of starting. Yeah.
0: With you. No, it's
2: just, yeah. I
0: wish you all the best with all your endeavors.
2: Yeah, best of luck to you too. So, thank you so, yeah. much, Raul. Thank you so much,
1: Raul.
0: Okay. Right. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.
1: All right, this segment is a fun one. Ready for our first cash or trash critique for the week.
0: (laughs) Okay, here's our target for today. We are looking at Kim Kardashian's Skims ad that was pulled after a video fails scandal. Yeah. This is an article in Team Vogue written by Erin Nicole Saletti. Earlier this week, Kim Kardashian found herself at the center of another editing controversy stemming from an ad for her underwear and shapewear line, Skims, which the brand has since apologized for and replaced. The ad featured Kim laying on her side, slowly grazing her waist with her hand while yep. wearing the brand's latest underwear drop. At the time she reaches for her hip, her finger appears to become very distorted in shape and length. And so then a TikTok post that was viewed by more than 24 million people people in the last five days the user questioned who approved of this editing while other commenters echoed similar sentiments about the unrealistic beauty and body expectations of over-editing i guess this is squarely in the fail category
1: yeah this is squarely in the fail category for the editors you know number one like don't call jim henson's creature shop when you're trying to get the fingers for the kardashians i mean it looked like one of the fingers from the movie the witches (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, what is that? So what's next? Like, have you seen the ad that she's come out with recently? It's just, they're so annoying. Basically, she has her Porsche that's completely wrapped with skims.
0: No. Yeah. And,
1: and what happens is if you watch it, it's actually a Fiat. I'm lying. I'm lying. <laughs> 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 Who fails here? I mean, I feel that it's the team that put this together, don't you think?
0: The editor and whoever approved that ad.
1: Like, yeah i just don't understand why i actually have a theory about this then maybe if i'm thinking about it you know when your whole job is be something to be looked at and to be marveled and it's all about the visual maybe you get so close that you don't see the errors anymore maybe like in a situation like that they had a pair of fresh eyes on the set like or in the editing booth because that's where 90 percent of the kardashians were or do you think it's just they did it to suffer for someone to catch it
0: Oh, back to the conspiracy theories. Chris, the conspiracy
1: theorist. Oh, I'm over here. (laughs) You want to find out how people were ruining your minds? Got the answer for (laughs) you. I
0: I mean, it could be right. Could be a PR stunt. I doubt it. I think it was more somebody just didn't notice how weird it looked. Actually, here's my theory. My theory is a straight man was editing it and was so distracted by how beautiful her behind backside cabooses
1: are these the medical terms (laughs) but make sure he
0: just didn't even notice that her finger ended up looking super warped I bet he just edited the hell out of it to make the butt look just (laughs) so pristine that he missed the fact that it was (laughs) like (laughs) the the creepy finger again
1: again again the medical terms that we're using here uh (laughs) she had a a case of the (laughs) I mean but see I could see that POV what's really interesting is that I'm picturing 25 people editing this like because the whole thing is the thing it's the look it's the aesthetic and personally I would have missed that because I honestly don't care enough maybe if it was marketed to me possibly but it's so quick it's so quick. So quick, I would have missed it but if I was paid I wouldn't miss it if I was paid to look for mistakes right but what's happening right now the reunion or whatever of the last Kardashians drops tonight or something or whenever uh, like recently so it's all
0: might be on purpose you know,
1: yeah and it could have been created just for that and then it could have been released that TikToker they could have been paid conspiracy theories but guess what people people pay for exposure you know, someone could have said, hey, we need like something viral. Okay, we've seen you naked, we've seen you doing the sex, we've seen you doing this, <laughs> we've seen you doing that, we've seen you on a camel, we've seen you giving birth, we've seen you like waxing, what are we gonna do now? Okay, let's let's grip your finger and um, let's find, okay, who's influential, who's influential? Okay, her, get her an NDA, well, how much would she want? Like uh, 10,000, okay. Give her 10,000 bucks to put this out there and then it's, you know what I mean it could be as easy as that
0: it might it be. really could be see when you say these things they all sound right and then I feel disappointed
1: yeah I, I mean come on free teen vote coverage why not and <laughs> they showed true. your commercial on a site that got how many hits yeah. and, and then it's so slight we both had to watch it multiple times which racks up views I mean come on
0: okay you're right I think Chris is right all I'm right sorry, everyone.
1: I'm sorry I'm, I'm gonna ruin everyone's dreams but yeah, I'm
0: nice. I, I always, I'm gullible and nice and Chris is naughty and mean.
1: Yeah. If I met you, I, I, would, I would find you questionable listener. No, I'm kidding. Everybody. So
0: funny. So Chris, let's close things out with our startup feature.
2: Yes, let's do it.
0: <laughs> okay. The spotlight for the week is Space Together. It's a startup that's helping business leaders to grow their organizations with space sharing. So Mm. I stumbled across this the other day, looking for something locally and realized that this was actually a really smart thing. So if you either have a space that you don't need all the time, or you you have a space that you're looking for, but you don't want to have to necessarily straight out of the gate, just go and rent a space or buy a place for whatever business you're planning on doing, you can share spaces. So you can go on their website, you can either say, I have a space, or I need a space, and then you can say where you need the space.
1: Okay, like Airbnb Um, kind of situation?
0: No, it's more like a gym, or a yoga studio, or a church, or like something where you just, you wouldn't necessarily, so it's more like something that's more of a business-based thing, or nonprofit, and you just can't afford the space by yourself. So the idea is that you can, like, share a commercial space with other people, basically. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which I thought was, I was like, that's really smart. They do need a little bit of help with the messaging, I think. Mm
2: -hmm. I
0: think it could be more clear. The website could be a little more clear, too. But I think the idea is spectacular. I think it's smart. I think it's timely, especially coming out of the pandemic where people are sort of gun shy about how much space they might want to rent or
2: and to
1: lessen the burden if you do own a space because you know there's so many startups out there that have been kind of screwed over with the whole pandemic and they are clinging on to it like uh, there's still people that were smart enough with their money and they also got help from the assistance from the government that helped them kind of power through but still there are, they might be going on fumes so this is a good way of being able to you know expand your offerings without subletting I guess I mean because that's the other option and that's that's a marriage right I don't want to get into that marriage I I don't want I don't want renters like the co-working thing even for me I've always thought about it and kind of thought that was like a little challenging but with this I think it's just you know it opens up the door for people that needed larger space that have you know like you were saying like gyms and like like gymnastics even like for kids and kids groups and after school and boys and girls clubs and Yes. I mean, there's lots of positive ramifications for it.
0: I think so, too. Yeah, I thought it was super smart.
1: Yeah, really cool. Good pick, April. Thanks! Well,
0: thanks for joining us for the first episode of Hype Busters.
1: And a big old shout-out to Raul for joining us today.
0: <laughs> if you have questions about the news, companies, and conversations from the show this week, you can find our contact details in the show notes below.
1: And our DMs are always open for the news companies and suggestions you want to hear about next. And if you're a startup founder looking for a chance in the hot seat, yo, we want to hear from you. So reach out. Drop into our DMs.
0: (laughs) Isn't it slide?
1: (laughs) More of a dropper. I don't have time to slide. I just got to get in there. (laughs) Go ahead. Drop (laughs) in, folks. See y'all next time for more Real Talk on strategic communications. Hooray. All right bye I love you guys